0: Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearcast. Your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello! Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Clearcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today I am joined by Joe Stymac from interviewready.com. And today we're going to talk about interviewing tips. So interviewready.com is a great tool to have under your belt. You can go through job search readiness assessments, complete Your personalized job search guide, and basically apply for jobs and get that practice in for interviews. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. Katie, thank you for having me. Let's dive right in. What do you find are the biggest obstacles for military specifically as they run through the interview process?
1: Military folks tend to be uh, very kind of quiet. They're humble. They don't toot their own horn. They they are not very prepared for interviews. They don't do them that often. So that's the biggest problem with them. Understanding how employers think, how employers work, and how to prepare for interviews are some of the biggest challenges that I see. I know they have tremendous skills. They have incredible work histories. They've been they've received tremendous training, but they don't know how to communicate that. A lot of times uh, they present their information, but they're very brief, just like they've been taught to do. And traditional employers, uh, you know, think, okay, what are you holding back? Why can't you be more articulate? Tell me more about who you are. I need to know who you are. So that's some of the biggest challenges that I see.
0: Kind of elaborating on that personal experience and those anecdotes or those stories that really provide a bigger picture into why they'd be a good fit for the position.
1: Absolutely, the three things that they need to know is number one is can you do the job. The employer needs to know that. That's probably the easiest one to figure out. Uh, The second one they target is will you do the job? What motivated you to apply for this company? Military folks need to have that answers ready. Those answers ready. the last one is, will you fit with my team? Will you fit with our culture? That may be a different culture than what they're used to. So being adaptable is one of the big things.
0: So adaptable, that's one thing that they can highlight in their interview process, but how else can military professionals better prepare for an interview to make it to that next step?
1: Well, understanding how employers think, um, going through the process and identifying what they don't know. And a lot of times, you know, when a a military person leaves the military, they don't understand how employers think outside the military, what they look for. That's why interview ready program we create the assessment to find out what you know and what you don't know so that way you will get to learn what you don't know and overcome those hurdles and be much better prepared the other thing is understanding what employers want from a job candidates knowing how to prepare answers that are not only credible but also memorable and that's the two things that they need to do to stand out for example understanding how to really listen to a question if an, if an employer asks you how would you handle a difficult customer, for example? The trained interviewer or interviewee would say, I can give you a specific example how I worked with a difficult customer. When I was at this command or this situation, this happened, I did this, the customer did that, and this is how it turned out using part, problem, action, result. That really seems to help.
0: Excellent. Those are great tips for you know how to better prepare for the interview. So it really is all about knowing your audience, being able to translate those skills that you utilized and acquired in the military. But I know that a big problem, I get so many messages about this, how applicants should be tailoring their applications for the position that they apply to, so they can actually get to that interview. So would you have any tips there?
1: Absolutely. The job description is uh, provides a lot of clues of what employers want. It's a blueprint, understanding what they really look for, what requirements they have. And a lot of times, uh, applicants tend to look at military, applicants tend to look at the job description as the end all. Uh, If you have 80% of the requirements that are listed in the job description, you should apply. And don't let, uh, you know, a lot of the the requirements may be a wish list is what they would really like to have. That's the ideal candidate. But if you're not the ideal, that's okay. If you do decide to apply, please note that you will be asked for about your transferable skills. And what most service members don't realize is they have tremendous transferable skills. They just have to quantify that. Uh, You know, I've heard them tell me, Joe, I just don't have the skills they're looking for. I said, all right, have you ever had to make a presentation, analyze information, uh, present a brief to senior leadership? Absolutely. Then you do have those transferable skills. You just need to identify the stories and sanitize them so that a civilian employer can actually understand them. Basically, just speak plain English try to use as little acronyms as possible. Tell me the story as if you're relating it to a 15-year-old kid without the acronyms so they would understand that. If you can do that, you're going to have credibility and you will be memorable to the employer. Very simple.
0: Sure. And I believe the, I don't know the exact statistics, so I'm not going to quote those, but I believe the main demographics of folks that take a look at a position and if they don't meet it like 70 to 80%, they won't apply. And that's veterans and women. So yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if that just comes from, like you said, a humbled experience or what that comes from, but I know that veterans You know, when they're transitioning out, if they don't meet 100% those requirements, then they won't apply.
1: No, you're right. A good example is my wife. When she applied for a job as a global operations manager for aerospace training division, she did not have the desired educational experience. However, she had everything they're looking for. It was just the desired, and she thought that was required. No. When she presented her qualifications, it blew them away, how, how organized, how capable she was, and she did get the job. I remember telling them, oh, you, you do have the uh, you do have the experience, you do have the knowledge. Just go for it and see what happens." And as you said, women tend to look at the job description, and they if they they only think they can meet sixty percent of the requirements, they will not do it. But I'm I need to stress this seriously apply for the job. You do have it. It's amazing. This is why with the interview ready, the uh, questions behind it are behavioral. They have the follow-up questions that really help you extract the details that employers need to make a good hiring decision. It's amazing once you start realizing, wow, I really can do this job. So don't limit yourself. Do not tell yourself no. Let the employer tell you no. But the biggest part is understanding how to get seen by the employer. And that's where understanding how keyword searches and resumes work.
0: Absolutely. You know, one way to stand out is obviously making sure that your resume and your application package obviously hits on those keywords that are in the job description. But another complaint that I get usually among, you know, anyone who's applying for a defense contractor, but a lot of the times folks that have been in the military, if they're applying to a larger contractor or a federal agency that have, you know, thousands of applications for one role, they always ask, how do I stand out? So one, hit those keywords, obviously. What else would you say?
1: Understand the culture of the uh, company or the contractor you're applying for. Uh, the best way to do that is look at uh, Glassdoor.com. Take a look at what the people are saying, You know, what kind of cultures, what type of people do well there. Research the company. Go to the company. Look at the website. Look at their stories. You know, Use ClearanceJobs.com. Find out what, you know, what other job openings they have. Start looking for a pattern. The more you become aware of what they're looking for, the easier it is for you to target that role. Say, I can do this. I offer this. I bring this. I bring that. So, you know, look at the words that they use, uh, look at the job description closely. And then if you can go to LinkedIn, look up some of the people that work there, type in the company name, look at what they, um, what stories they publish. And if you can, if you do get an invitation, find out, you know, look up the person on LinkedIn, look at what they follow, what kind of articles they publish, what comments they made in the past, uh, kind of get a feel for them. That's a, that's a big deal.
0: Sure. Engaging with the current employees and making those connections. That's, that's a great tip. And doing that research, for example, if a contractor is going to tout that their company is, you know, 75% military or military spouses, you should absolutely include that in, you know, your application.
1: Absolutely. You know, try to align as much as you can. Uh, There's a thing called confirmation bias. And that says, are you similar to us? Will you be an easy fit? Will we have to really try to get you, you know, know, basically put a square peg in a round hole, or are you going to be a nice, easy fit? So you have, a, you know, if there's, if it's a government contractor, and I work with a lot of them, they are very serious about making the right choice. They need to hire the people. But what's nice is the military people already understand how they work. They're going to be working with their counterparts on these contracts and they live and die by these contracts. So the, the idea is to show them that you are an easy fit, that you do understand the process, that you understand the language you are a good person but the way to do that is really have your stories ready and you need to have your best examples of your previous experience in similar situations ready to go to convince the employer that you should be given a shot and and here's an interesting thing if you interview very well you will receive an offer at the upper end of the salary range which is an instant pay increase. Applicants that interview very well are highly desired and some are even to the point that they will offer you a signing bonus just to get you on board.
0: Sure, and I know that a lot of companies are doing that today to try to stay competitive in today's hiring market which is kind of insane, but even, you know, before landing that interview, I like to ask this question because back when I was doing a lot of work helping folks Coaching them through the interview process, helping them revamp their, you know, resumes and ensuring that their cover letters were up to date. So a lot of recruiters have told me cover letters, we don't look at them. We don't care about them. Hiring managers, I, I think, are, tend to care a little bit more about the overall package and recruiters are a little, they have their horse blinders on and they're just looking at the hard requirements for a contract contract. Cover letters or not, what are your thoughts?
1: My thoughts are, if you're going to throw a cover letter in also, it also it gets added to the keyword search. So the more relevant more relevant uh, phrases, uh, topics that you have in there, words that are relevant, the higher you score. And that's, that's, if nothing else, it's done that. The other thing is, it's a chance to show the person the why. Why do you want this job? Tell them something that's not in your resume, you know, what motivated you, what something that they're doing that really aligns well with your internal value system. This is, you know, this is going beyond the resume. This is why I'm applying to you. I want to be considered because of the following, and you know, let let your personality shine in there, and also make sure you have the right keywords in there to enhance that, uh, add that to your keyword search. Keyword search are funny. Most military folks do not understand how they work. There are there are free tools out there. One is Jobscan j-o-b-s-c-a-n.com and a new one uh it's called resume worded it's pretty cool it's out of san francisco the gentleman created it is pretty interesting you can actually use it for free there's a tool for the free version where you can post your resume and they will tell you and post the job description in the other window it'll tell you how closely you match up and as you start changing words hopefully that the keyword search you see the scores start to rise for example you might start out with the 67 as an average and you change if you add a few more words and instead of m s word you type in Microsoft Word, and all of a sudden you're at seventy two so make sure that you use tools like that the higher you go, the greater the chance you will end up on page one and that's where you want to be. If you're not on page one, you will probably be missed even if you even though you are very qualified, so a little bit of homework and understanding how they work really works well, but cover letters you're right, most people do not read them. But the hiring manager may want to read them, especially if the job requires a good communication skills. It should be more in a written format, not just a bolted format, not just rehash what your resume said. So that's my advice.
0: Well, I would completely agree. You need to use that space to say what is not in your resume, and use that space wisely to again communicate effectively. A lot of folks that are working in you know the government, you know, on government site. They're going to want someone who can communicate effectively. So that's a great point. And you also brought up the point about keywords and acronyms. I've seen a lot of the times that military personnel will include those acronyms, maybe spelling them out, but not including the acronym. So when recruiters are going through these keyword searches, let's say you there's a position that requires someone to have experience working with the CIA and a couple other things, They're going to search CIA. So if you type out central intelligence agency, you know, liaising with them at some point in your career on your resume, you may not get caught in that word search. Another example is that I found on clearancejobs.com is some military folks, they post their profile and they'll list that they maybe have an intelligence agency clearance through the CIA, NSA, etc., but they don't say that they have just a TSSCI, which, again, a lot of recruiters are using those searches. So you're kind of boxing yourself out without even knowing it. Yeah,
1: and that's why using tools like uh, I mentioned, like that uh, resumewarded.com, it's pretty powerful what it does. It really shows you where you should spell out the word or use the acronym version to get the most ranking. If you really want to get high value, remember keywords work on two things, relevancy and frequency. Relevancy, the word or the phrase is included in your resume. Frequency is how many times it was included in there. For example, you know, if I type in CIA, for example, I wanna make sure that you know it's included at least three or four times because every time it's included, it shows me that I'm more relevant to the search and then I get ranked higher. Now, this is a little sneaky little trick that some applicants know and this is why keyword searches are kind of a, I don't know, it's a loss of control process where astute job seekers understand that and they will actually copy the entire job description and paste it at the end of the resume, highlight the text or change the font color to white and the font size to one. It disappears from your eyes, but the computer still sees it just fine. And that's how they beat the system. So I'm not advising that. It's a, a little tricky and I've showed that to a, a client of mine, a military government or a government contractor. So do you understand how these things work and how to beat them? And they were like, wow, how did you do that? I just had my name on top. What I did is I copied the job description and pasted it three times, selected the font and changed it to white in one font size. And after the end of the conversation, I said, go look up, you know, type in. Whatever you want for that position, and what do you know'm I'm, I'm on page one
0: wow, okay, I actually have never heard of that one, but that's yeah that's a quite a sneaky tip <laughs>
1: Remember, don't you didn't hear it from me you dreamt this i don't want to get sued sure
0: well, so yeah, th- I feel like that could be considered a do or a don't, but you know we talk about artificial intelligence and you know keyword searches and all that good stuff when it comes to getting through ATSs, as applicant tracking systems. Any other do's or don'ts that you would mention here? Again, that could be a do or a don't. We're not going to name it here, but do you have any that you could share?
1: Exactly. You know, uh, it's funny. I've had people complain that Joe. I'm more than qualified for that position. Why did, not, why did I not get a call for an interview? And this is crazy. I had a, a customer in Colorado that did that and said, look, I know the lady that applied for this job and I cannot find her in a keyword search. I said, you know, let me see her resume. I said, look at this. Look at what the job requirements are and look at the way she wrote it. Her keywords don't line up. They're not aligned. There's no frequency here. Uh, no wonder she didn't make it. If she would just understand how to rewrite the resume, if you just include this keywords, it's amazing how fast you get to you know, page one but you also have to have some substance behind the keywords show them what the results were, not just, you know, throw a bunch of keywords together. Uh, applicants have gotten even sneakier. They're actually starting to include keywords right from the job description between the paragraphs. And, you know, since they shrink the font down, it looks like a normal spacing, a paragraph spacing, but they can add three different lines of uh, keywords between them. We we knew that back in 2000. And, um, I got quoted uh, years ago on how, how to beat keyword searches. There's, more and more understanding of how they work, and uh, AI is now starting to look at that. They're actually scanning and uh, basically converting the resume into all black font. You know, so there's no so all words, are, even the hidden ones, are exposed. Which now, let's say you end up on page one of the keyword search, you will be uh, seen as okay. This is how sneaky you're trying to be. You're trying to beat the system, so it's, it actually can count against you. But you know, it it all depends. The best thing you can do is look. If you have grading uh, skill set that you can bring to an employer do it but follow the rules uh you know honesty and integrity is a big deal especially with the military and the government contracting so you want to be known or be you know, known for who you are and what you can bring to a company but people do beat the system and if you're not getting interviews you may want to look really closely at your resume what's wrong with it you're not you're not getting on page one and you need to be on page one
0: Sure, that's another great point. You don't want to be blacklisted by any recruiters if you're throwing out applications and tailoring your resume, hidden and having those hidden keywords. And they don't really make sense for what your career was. It, it just reminds me I was recruiting for someone who had a background in the U.S. Navy nuclear fuel cycle, and they were doing some counter proliferation work. And for some reason, a ton of FEMA folks were applying. So even you know, on the recruiter side, you really need to dig into resumes to make sure that even if those keywords are hitting and that resume is popping up on page one make sure that the keywords are within the right context. Uh, so that's an an important note for recruiters. so kind of switching to recruiters uh, what would you say recruiters can do to better themselves during the interview phase? To reach the right people for their openings.
1: Well, think about this. Uh, recruiters typically recruit for maybe 10, 20, 30, maybe 40 different positions that they've never worked in. They're not the subject matter experts. So what they've got to go on is they look at the job description and they go hunt from that. They need to have a deeper understanding. And my suggestion, and this is what I tell my clients, is uh, have the recruiters contact the hiring manager and get to understand. Tell me, you know, describe your ideal candidate. What would they look like? What should they do? What should they know? That's beyond the job description. And basically in your words, tell me what you're looking for and then take notes and then go hunt for those. You're going to get a much better fit that way. Yeah, they're going to tell you stuff that's beyond the job description. And it may even uh, add a few more keywords that, that you never saw on there that may be a better alignment for the people that you do forward to them. But understanding what the job is from the subject matter expert, in other words, the hiring manager will really help you uh, present the right people up front. It's a win-win for the hiring manager as well as the applicant.
0: Absolutely right. Just making sure that the entire hiring function is working cohesively. I know another tip for recruiters that I'll mention here. A couple of the contractors I used to work for, they actually allowed their recruiters to obtain security clearance just so they could read the classified uh, performance work statement so they could even get a better bigger understanding of what the role was going to be working on and how they were working on, you know, within the team and with the government customer. But that's a great tip for recruiters. They do really need to work with their hiring authorities closely, set up that initial meeting, making sure that you understand the position requirements. But again, what's beyond the job description. So that's that's a great tip. So any advice for even a step above that for, I know that you've gone on commands and you've done a ton in terms of assessments and making sure that military folks are interview ready. So any advice for hiring managers or other sort of higher recruiting authorities?
1: Absolutely. I I work with companies all over the world. And what's interesting, most hiring managers are not trained. And this includes uh, giant companies out of Silicon Valley. They don't get trained on how to ask the right questions. They have conversations. Um, had an interesting, just a couple of days ago, had a, a training session with an elite command. And one of the commanders there said, Joe, I, I like to, you know, I, I talk 50% of the time. I like to let them know about me, get to know me. And so I said, all right, let's explore that a little bit. Um, if you are talking 50% and that means the applicant is responding with only 50 percent you're only getting 50 percent information back from the applicant to make a higher do not hire decision that's not a very good odd now i ask the next question do you have a set of structured questions that are targeted to that position written down before you go to an interview oh no i look at their uh, uh, commanders eval their packets and stuff i circle things in the resume and that's what i talk about So I said, so you basically are circling, let's say, five items from five different candidates. That's 25 different targets that you're trying to consolidate. Um, So while you're doing that, since you don't have the questions written out, what are you doing when the applicant's talking? And he openly admitted that I'm thinking of my next question, which if you look at the behavioral research, you're missing another 20% of uh, information yield from the applicant. So you're basically making a hiring, do not hire decision based on 30% information. When I train employers, I said, look, I want you to control the interview. You need to absolutely control the interview. You need to control the questions you should ask. Um, We built a program called Interview Builder that allows you to create a a custom set of interview questions in about 15 minutes, uh, behavioral interview questions that target specific job requirements. Um, You can edit the question to make it exactly what you need them to talk about. What this does is allows you to really listen. So my instructions are, I want you to talk 10, listen 90. Another great thing that happens is the applicant feels valued. So now we're just improving improve the applicant experience across the board to think of, wow, this is the first company that really wants to get to know me. I really like that. I really feel good about that. And if I don't get the job, I'm okay with it because they really got to know me. So that, that's my suggestion look, have a structured interview, set of questions. It's, it's the applicant against the, your job requirements, not applicant against your conversational questions. So then you can't consolidate them. At the end, it becomes a gut instinct decision. And no wonder companies have such high turnover. Um, I started, I helped a company that was 12 people. They ended up, they, uh, back in 2002, they understood that they want to become a, a billion dollar company in the government contracting space. Today, they're a billion and a half dollar company with less than 3% turnover because they follow the rules. Simple. R- lay out your questions in advance, ask each applicant the same question, and really make an informed hiring decision. that simple
0: sure yeah and i feel like nowadays we're really seeing more companies invest more in the hiring process be more methodical about it understanding that onboarding actually starts with the interview which a terrible onboarding experience is going to affect your retention rates so all really important things for recruiters and hiring managers really to keep in mind but everyone, this was Joe Stymac from interviewready.com. I really appreciate you joining me today for this episode of ClearCast. And everyone, if you want more information on interviews, on the hiring process, or how to recruit and retain your employees, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com.